0: I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me Death Eaters. You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for revolutionaries.
1: Professor, we've got to barricade the school. He's coming. Now. Very well. He who must not be named is coming, she told the other teachers. Sprout and Flitwick gasped. Slughorn let out a low groan. Potter has work to do in the castle on Dumbledore's orders. We need to put in place every protection of which we are capable while Potter does what he needs to do.
2: I'm Heather price right?
0: And I'm Alex Dallenberg.
2: And hi! A couple of housekeeping notes right at the top here, just in case, you know, we take another unscheduled six-month hiatus, which we have zero plans to do, but God only knows what the coming months bring. So just in case you're listening to this in like 2024, uh, it's September 2021 and we are back and doing our best.
0: Pre-Omega variant days.
2: Oh God, do not put that out in the world. But yes, (laughs) Delta She Rages. Also, the last episode you heard was punctuated by the extremely cute squeaks of like a four-month-old dog. You may very well and you know what? I would venture to say, probably will hear the sharp and extremely upsetting barks of an eleven-month-old dog, who I think we managed to exhaust adequately. He but, went
0: for a walk in Prospect Park at seven a.m., seven to nine a.m., and uh, then his girlfriend on the third floor. You know what? Over. Don't
2: fucking heteronormatize their relationship. His-
0: his Heart friend. His bud. No, his best No, his very
2: best friend Nell. I was just
0: trying to be cute, but okay. I, your point is well no, taken. No, they're
2: not boyfriend, girlfriend. Nell,
0: who lives on the third floor. Uh, Came and visited.
2: They romped. I think he's tired, but he refuses to be in a separate room, so he's in here, and when he makes noise, he shall make noise.
0: Just co-hosting.
2: So, everybody say hi to George in the ether. So hi, it's the Quibbler. We are still reading Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. We're very close to the end shit is on its way to getting real but this week we read oh he went to sleep bubs god he's cute you guys you just don't even know look at his little belly look (laughs) at his small pink belly I'm dead okay well lucky us um we're reading a fun kind of hallway chapter called the sacking of severus snape
0: a lot of it Takes place in hallways. No, I know it's, it's quite both, a literal hallway chapter. It's
2: both kind of a just like a corridor from action to action. And also, yeah, a lot of hallway scenes here.
0: Is that why it's called a hallway chapter?
2: I don't know that that's a real. I, I don't actually. Is that a real term? I don't I just, know.
0: You introduced me to this. Term. I just
2: call it a hallway chapter Wait. because it just feels like a hallway between two chapters. This isn't
0: like an English 101.
2: I don't know. Maybe I made it up.
0: Terminology? I'm not
2: looking it up, but isn't it a good way to describe yes. what this no, chapter I, feels I like? I like it
0: a lot. I like it a lot. No,
2: this is a, a corridor between action packed chapters. You will hear spoilers and uh, cursing, of course. You will hear a dog make the noises the dogs make. And you you will hear hear... his collar. Yeah, he he jingle jangles. He has (laughs) so much bling on his collar. Bling is such a 90s term. I'm dating myself
0: horribly. We've been dating ourselves on this podcast for five years. Oh, my God, I can't believe I've been
2: doing this for five (laughs) years. Oh, that made my stomach drop. Like five years exactly. Five years in October.
0: And we've oh, done... also this is
2: episode one hundred. Oh my god! I mean, should we do something for it, Alex? The thing we're doing for is it the is we're fucking making our <laughs> podcast. We are managing to make the podcast.
0: Oh man! Um, Canonical hundredth episode. The yeah, like, there's actual lots of hundredth episode. Happened sprinkles some time ago. of
2: yeah, but anyway, the hundredth chapter by chapter reread episode is this episode one hundred. Man. And yeah, we're at almost five years and I feel like I have aged 50. I'm a completely different person than we started doing this podcast, but you know what? I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) Also adult themes. This week's adult themes are wartime evacuations, rage quitting, awkward family reunions, curfews, and the scariest thing that ever happened to me in grade school, which is when teachers call one another by their first names. You're like, oh, shit is getting real. She just called him Michael. That's not his name. Yeah, no, it's so scary when teachers use real names. Anyway, oh, how does this go? What do we do next? Alex, my love, my dove. Oh, What happened this week?
0: Well, in this week's chapter... Harry and Luna are in the The room. The hands are up, y'all. The hands are up. The hands
2: are up and waving. I am
0: gesticulating. Also,
2: Alex is wearing such a cute shirt. He looks like he's a dad on vacation.
0: That's just kind of my general aesthetic, I would say. I
2: know. You need a haircut. We are on
0: vacation, though, in the vacation of the mind. Because when you have books, you can travel anywhere. I hated that, but sure. Is a happy thing.
2: library days or yeah,
0: you know, is a thing they would have said
2: when you were trying to win a pizza party for reading a hundred books over the summer or some shit. Yeah,
0: basically. Were you
2: the kind of? Here's a question for you. Wow, we've been we've been married. Speaking of, we know five that years. Harry and
0: Luna are in the room of requirement right now. No, but you know what? Fuck. It. I'm gonna ask you a question. The way uh,
2: we've been married for five years, but I don't actually know this about you. Were you the kind of kid that would deliberately read? Really short, easy books to like rack them up, or that would challenge yourself by reading really hard books and still kind of getting like hitting the numbers for the summer reading contest?
0: Uh, uh, I would go for length, I would say, because so you wouldn't read easy books, no?
2: Okay, so you're not a cheater or a quitter, thank god. We're married.
0: (laughs) I don't, I mean, maybe my sister will correct me on this, but I don't remember doing it that way. Good. But so I was think, always like, like,
2: no, fuck no. Are you kidding? No, but there were kids that were like, I read 80 books. And I was like, a lot of them were like barely highlights
0: magazine. <laughs> I mean, like
2: you know, kids 50 that were
0: goosebumps like, goosebumps don't count. You well, know, No, like, but like
2: 50 goosebumps would count if you're like in third grade or whatever. I'm talking about third graders that were like. I read Henry and Mudge. And I'm like, that's for babies. <laughs> we out here reading chapter books, motherfuckers. Okay, Harry and I Lilla. read
0: Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park in uh, second grade. Second or third grade, it may have been. I think it was third grade, actually.
2: Dating myself as a millennial once again. Weird flex, but okay.
0: I don't know. It's not a, I, I was very afraid the teacher would take it away from me for being like, adult like material. I don't remember This week's anything... adult
2: themes are Alex read Jurassic Park extremely
0: young. I don't remember if any I mean, you know, a lot of people like die. People die. A people lot of people die, die. In lots of media, you know, you don't get an you don't get an R rating for carnage, folks. Uh, yeah, just, unfortunately. Like, you get an R rating for like... Yeah, mutually satisfying sex yeah, is what gets you an R rating. For female orgasms. Yeah, velociraptors. God for fucking like, bid. Like eating people's guts, like that is fair fucking game. The weird
2: thing is that never happens. And like in a perfect world, like women come a lot. And that is like really not okay. I, don't, I think don't think I should say that on the podcast.
0: Anyone fucks in Jurassic Park. I'm pretty sure it. Not doesn't even the happen.
2: dinosaurs; they just get cloned into existence. Oh my
0: god! You're right. no the dinosaurs do find that's how life finds a way. The dinosaurs figure out how to fuck. They start as all female, but then there's like the frog gene that they use to like successfully like complete the DNA sequence, which allows them to like.
2: This is now a Jurassic Park podcast. Yeah. George All keeps. All the
0: dinosaurs are gender fluid, basically. George they keeps kind waking of like, up.
2: And it's like, oh, he. Just, I said his name, so he looked at me. I OK, we
0: but. have not done any summarizing whatsoever. Oh I God. think this is like an avoidance habit that we've developed in the pandemic, I think. Or, or we're just, just funny. in general. Or <laughs> just
2: uh, Excuse me. No, tell me what happened in this chapter. I thought that chapter. was funny.
0: So anyway, let's try this again. In this week's chapter, Harry and Luna are in the room of requirements. Electo Caro, who is which one does what does she teach again? They both the the two, the brother and the sister, they teach like one of them teaches defense against the dark arts, which is now just the dark, dark arts and muggle studies, which is about how muggles, like suck uh i think electo does muggle studies doesn't matter does this is irrelevant what is relevant though is that she has summoned lord voldemort by pressing her finger to the dark mark it's very dramatic it's just like one finger is how i imagine it on the dark mark but like in my mind they do it like like raise the finger Hold it aloft and then, like, real slow and deliberate, like, press the tattoo.
2: I was trying to think of a joke to make about like responsive iPhone design. Haptic
0: feedback. Haptic feedback. Which is what, which is something we have discussed. We've already talked about haptic feedback. This podcast. We've covered a lot of material. I mean,
2: honestly, I think we've had every conversation a person can have.
0: Uh, Anyway. At that very moment, Harry is sucked into the mind of Lord Voldemort, who thinks they have the boy. That's my lovo impression. Very good. Uh,
2: What's that guy's name? Rafe Fines?
0: Rafe Fines. Well, one version of Lord Voldemort. We can have as many as we want because that's the power. Oh my god, we're going back to the library. Reading. Uh, This isn't a very long. Inception moment, or whatever you want to call it, Harry comes to almost immediately because Luna stuns Electo. Uh, I think
2: he's trying to chew through the floorboards, buddy. This dog is Don't, out of his mind. Yeah,
0: he's gonna get real bored. Um, sorry, folks, this is just this is just like a George live stream. I mean, frankly, this Jurassic is why Park we had podcast. to stop yeah.
2: making this podcast for six fucking months. Like this dog. I don't know, I guess everybody else has dogs and it doesn't completely take over every waking moment of their lives, but we are childless millennial idiots, and he just, he he absolutely runs my days. Yeah, we
0: channel a lot of our suppressed nurturing instinct into this uh, tiny creature, but... Anyway, he's
2: not that tiny. He's a powerful. He's dump a tank.
0: Truck. Yeah, he's a powerful dump truck, as we like to say, which is a whole other story, which maybe we can get into sometime. All of Ravenclaw Tower has been awakened by the loud bang that the stunning spell makes. Luna remarks she didn't think it would be that loud. The only time she stunned anyone is in DA practice. So three cheers for applied learning. <laughs> Harry and Luna quickly hide underneath the invisibility cloak. The Ravenclaws seem pretty psyched that one of their teachers might be dead.
2: Okay, one of their teachers, aka an evildoer, in their midst. Right.
0: They're kind of they're psyched that the teacher that, like, tortures them. randomly tortures kids might be dead. So, you know, that's fair. Meanwhile, Amicus Caro is frantically trying to get into Ravenclaw Tower because he felt his mark burn, but he can't answer the riddle. the door which is where do vanished objects go excellent question a question
2: we have in fact had on the quibbler podcast. we're
0: gonna get to that soon they can hear electo shouting at the door he's real freaked out because he thinks that no they can hear amic these these alliterative names i can't keep them straight Uh, They can hear Amicus shouting at the door. He's really freaked out because he thinks it's another false alarm and that Electo doesn't have Harry Potter and that they're gonna go the way of the Malfoys. Eventually McGonagall shows up because he's like shouting a lot in like a very non-posh accent and she tells him to pipe down. Oh
2: yeah, she weirdly like accent shames characters.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> like it's
2: like it's like half
0: the Death Eaters sound like the Liza. They dude. sound like Little, I was like the just gonna of- say
2: they're like, oh, fancy a flag, Governor. <laughs> governor sounded like Texas.
0: I washed my face and hands before I, I came up to Ravenclaw Tower. I
2: wash my hands before I came, Lord Voldemort? I did. <laughs> no, it's first of all our accents are atrocious, but also. Audrey Fucking Hepburn's accent was atrocious. Do not come for me. Why
0: can't the English teach their children how to speak? But
2: it is very (laughs) ow.
0: I didn't think we have a My Fair Lady reference in this pod. Uh, I think about My Fair Lady a lot. This will not be the last.
2: I also know that you think about it a lot because you sing those songs a lot. Reference
0: to a musical. This will not be the last reference. Oh God, we're gonna talk about
2: Les Misérables so that you hear
0: in this episode. Um, I've lost my place in the summary. Uh, George is
2: dead asleep with his ball in his mouth.
0: Amicus calls McGonagall an old besom, which is what those kind of witchy brooms are, the ones with the twigs tied together at the end of a stick. So I did not know that. I had to look it up. McGonagall answers the riddle, where do vanished objects go by saying, into non-being, which is to say everything so mind blown I wish I was fluent enough in metaphysics to (laughs) did everyone hear that I wish I was fluent in metaphysics enough to like really dig into this but I just I just don't I just think that conversation would probably go off the rails do you uh, also I do I have
2: thoughts about the non-being that is to say everything answer yeah
0: I famously know almost nothing about physics Meta or otherwise?
2: (laughs) Hi, buddy. I honest, I don't have anything to say about that. I can't tell if it is deep or incredibly shallow and silly, like I cannot tell. I read that and then I read it and then I read it again. I was like, is this great or extremely annoying? And I just couldn't make up my mind. And I have an opinion about everything, but I have no opinion about that. I could not tell whether I thought it was deep and interesting or just like completely throw away and nothing burger.
0: Please Smarties, write in with your thoughts about this because I would love to hear from.
2: He wants to play fetch so badly, look at him. Oh. There it is.
0: Okay. Do you remember if humans can be vanished or not? Because that sounds like a pretty intense experience. I don't
2: think permanently. Like in the vanishing cabinet, they go somewhere else. Like humans don't go into non-being. They like right. they get. I think humans get like teleported. I don't know if you can vanish a human. Somebody that knows the kind of like arc. Is there a word that is Arcania?
0: Something like that. Anyway,
2: yeah. somebody who knows the Arcana? sort of. Arcana. No, that sounds like a witch word. Anyway, if you know the sort of, like, off-book trivia better than we do, maybe tell us if this is possible. But I don't think you can vanish a human being. You can definitely vanish, like, a consciousness. You can vanish animals, which, like, is its own fucked-up thing. But
0: But not being is everything. So is it that, that, like...
2: This might not be a place that I can (laughs) meaningfully engage. Like, I don't know that I am in the headspace to be able to talk about this sort of the equivalency of non-being and everything.
0: Okay, I feel, I feel Let's like... Let's just
2: believe Minerva McGonagall in this moment. Hashtag believe women when they talk about metaphysics. Okay,
0: moving on. The answer is apparently correct because McGonagall gets into Ravenclaw well, tower. Well, okay,
2: not to put too fine a point on it, but there are no correct answers. It is whether you Oh, have
0: it's well-argued. ...offered a well Yeah, it's like, is it plausible?
2: No, it's... It's not plausibility. No. It's like whether you're sort of like your logic and rhetoric are sound.
0: Mm. Sounds like uh, the Ravenclaw door could take you to some pretty dark places. Oh my
2: god, it's gonna, it's so <laughs> fucking, like, well, just to play devil's advocate! Actually... Like, it's just Reddit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well is play really well in Ravenclaw Tower.
0: <laughs> well, well reasoned. Um, no,
2: Ravenclaw Tower is a place where you say things about how, like, Say what you want about Hitler, but the trains ran on time or some bullshit.
0: Which I don't even know. I don't know that that's I true. I think that's more about fascist Italy. And apparently, the trains like I feel like I read somewhere that the trains actually didn't super run on I've time. I've been. But.
2: We're playing fetch with George Walbert Record, which is what those noises are. Um, indoor fetch. Also, something I did not think would be allowed in my house, and lo and behold. We just saw this exhibit at the Met about the Medici, so both of us are thinking about the history of Italy a lot. It was very good. (gasps) Good boy. Okay. Anyway, then what happened?
0: We learn that Lovo warned the Caros that Potter might try to get into Ravenclaw Tower.
2: I feel like Harry should take that as an obvious sign that it's the fucking diadem.
0: Yeah. Also, I'm trying to imagine... Harry
2: needs to, like do a better job of being like, huh, Voldemort Voldemort knew I might go to Ravenclaw. Maybe I'm right that it's the fucking diadem.
0: Yeah. He's
2: about to like change course and he's like, Flitwick says it's lost. And it's like, okay. I don't know that Flitwick knows anything.
0: Harry Potter, pretty good at Quidditch, pretty bad at context clues. Also, I'm trying to imagine this conversation between Lovo and the Keros who are just, like, dumb as a bag of hammers, we're meant to understand.
2: A bag of hammers is very good at what hammers are supposed to do. I think that's a phrase that's, like, mean to
0: hammers. Also, when would you have a bag of hammers?
2: <laughs> you need only one.
0: I mean, generally, you need one hammer. I guess if you had a bunch of people working on a building, you'd be like, you know what I need is a bag of hammers. Do if people like, like a, a box, you know? Like, hammers wouldn't sit well in a bag. Like, you'd well. have a
2: tote bag. Just a tote this of hammers. This is totally unhinged. I just... Uh, I feel like... No. You know,
0: I picked up that phrase because... From a reporter in southern Arizona when we were covering Congress. And it's like Jim Ninsel of the Tucson Weekly, Uh, actually.
2: Ninsel was a really good columnist. Really
0: good, just a really good local politics columnist. And I remember him, I remember vividly. loved
2: Calexico.
0: Yes, he fucking loved Calexico. I vividly remember him describing an Arizona legislator who shall remain unnamed as. who was it? Quote, I actually, it's mostly remained unnamed because I don't remember the name. Was it Jesse Kelly? No. Not a member of the Arizona con- not a member of the Arizona State Legislature. Oh. Sorry, Arizona doesn't have a Congress, they have a state legislature. But I remember vividly Jim Ninsel described a member of the state legislature as dumb as a bag of hammers. Um, and you know what? If memory serves, they were. So, anyway, that's where it picked up that uh, phraseology.
2: I don't know um, that we know how to make a podcast anymore. No,
0: this is this is a mess. I think the, the, the it's Google. possible that
2: it'll be fun to listen to.
0: The Apple store rating average is declining as we speak. Amicus is freaking out, speaking of the book harry potter and what's happening in it <laughs> uh amicus is freaking out about what voldemort might do if it turns out they don't have harry potter he's like he's also talking out loud to himself which is like that's just classic villain mistake is just monologuing your plans but he's saying yeah i think i'll like probably frame some of the kids for it like what's one to two kids but Gonnigal says she won't permit any kids to be Tortured or killed at Hogwarts because that's a thing that's never happened at this school before.
2: How dare you suggest that we've ever tortured children such as yesterday? <laughs> Meanwhile, Neville is just like absolutely wrecked.
0: <laughs> She's like, I won't permit bad and it's just things like, to happen. Minerva, to like,
2: sweetheart, what do you think this is? <laughs>
0: I won't permit bad things to happen to students. Amicus Carol responds coolly and rationally by spitting in McGonagall's face.
2: Yeah, what the fuck. What man. the
0: fuck? So of course Harry then responds coolly and rationally to this turn of events by casting off his invisibility cloak and torturing Amicus.
2: Yeah, this isn't a great moment. This is
0: full. It's actually Harry very Potter upsetting. Leroy Jenkins like fuck everything I'm just gonna go with my gut uh,
2: but his gut is torture his gut is unforgivable curse he's
0: an emotional leader right I yeah. would say uh <coughs> Yeah, this is a true vintage Harry Potter moment, though. You can't say it's not in character.
2: No, it's completely in character. Totally in it's character. banana cakes, but... Like,
0: Harry's like, uh, yeah, I'm doing this like incredibly finely balanced plan that but requires... But he spit. Like, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it could be first year, so Harry. So much for
0: stealth. Maybe I doomed the Wizarding World with my impetuousness, but you know what? Uh, this has all worked out pretty fucking well for me so far, so... Yeah, why not? McGonagall is a extremely surprised to see, buh-buh-buh motherfucking Harry Potter in the midst of Hogwarts.
2: I don't actually think you've ever gotten to do ba bu- ba bu- ba, bu- motherfucking about Harry himself. Yeah,
0: I didn't know where that I was gonna do good. it. That good. It did feel good. Uh, it felt great to say. I don't usually. I didn't. I don't usually plan where I'm gonna like drop that not to be
2: extremely meta commentary about our weird sort of like podcasting ticks, but anyway bup up bu- bu- motherfucking harry potter
0: i was gonna do it for flitwick but it just felt right to say there uh i mean what does flitwick really do anyway We shall find out shortly mcgonigal is surprised as he harry and also says that was very gallant of you Harry to uh torture that guy right in front of all of us. Oh that was God. a very gallant move. Harry says Voldemort is coming. Very Paul Revere. Very Paul Revere. Not something, you know, you don't you don't love to hear it if you're the head of Gryffindor House or really any faculty member at Hogwarts that isn't, like, hired by the Dark Lord himself, uh, generally pretty bad news. So McGonagall says something like, oh shit, oh fuck, uh, that's not what she says. Basically she says, you need to get the fuck out of here, Harry, like right now, you need to be gone yesterday. Harry explains that he's working on Dumbledore's orders and needs to find something in the castle. He asks where the diadem of Ravenclaw is, do you think Flitwick knows? Uh, McGonagall ties up the caros, Harry feels Lovo's wrath as he discovers that the locket in the cave is gone. The one Horcrux, he actually did a pretty good job of hiding, it's gone. Uh, I thought about... Revisiting our cave song for this Lovo moment, but it feels like Voldemort
2: is in the cave. Oh, no, that I is wrote... where we end the song. But no, you wrote it. I
0: actually wrote half the lyrics. Okay, but do it. I was like, Just do
2: it for the do it for the fans. I was
0: like, that would be really derivative of previous Quiddler no, <laughs> this is podcasts. extremely
2: fan service. I only
0: wrote half the lyrics, though. so it's not done. Start. Okay, so I got. Well, I don't have it in front of me. Where is it? Hold on, it's an Evernote. All right, I only got halfway through. I had very grand designs but then it sort of like messed with the flow of the rest of, there's a lot of content to cover and he's really only at the lake for like just show us
2: what you've got
0: alright, Harry's inside Lobo's brain and so we're at the cave again Voldy needs to double check to see if he is losing soul bits, Lobo takes a little trip to check up on his curse socket, even though they've got the kitty figures he'll be glad he did, Quibbler call back, we're out of new jokes to make recap, redux, so thankful for copy paste, Dark Lord boat trip, Voldy made a big mistake Horcrux check-in floating out into a corpse-filled lake toward egg, where he finds that ba-ba there's no fucking Horcrux motherfucking Horcrux holy shit I should've added extra zombies shit shit someone got my Horcrux someone got my Horcrux should've got a multi-factor key that's not the whole thing? no it's like there's several ba ba da 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 ba 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 Okay, da, well, but that know, gave like, the whole yeah, deal. There's like an interlude, and I was gonna do a bit about like flashback to Harry. He has to find the Ravenclaw. Ba da da da. Horcrux. Fucking. There's another Crux in the tower. Now I'm just making shit up off the top of my head that didn't even rhyme.
2: I mean, I found that very impressive, and I think others will as well. So I'm very glad you shared it with us. Hey,
0: no problem. Congratulations. Uh, We're all just... This is a really meta episode because we're just like...
2: Remembering how to podcast. We're just
0: like workshopping live. True. Anyway, that is the song that goes through Voldemort's mind when he sees that the locket is gone. Flashback to... Ravenclaw Tower. McGonagall says they need to get as many innocent people out of the castle as possible. They go off to warn the other heads of house. McGonagall tells Harry to put the cloak back on. They're going through a hallway in this hallway chapter when they hear footsteps or something behind them. Who's there? McGonagall asks. It is I, says, motherfucking Severus Snape. That wasn't a good use of a but it is Snape. Who says it is I?
2: I say Snape. He's highly dramatic.
0: Just like it is I.
2: It is I, Severus.
0: And you know she's kind of rolling her eyes because that's just like
2: he's like a what, lot. That's just
0: how he like probably always introduces himself. Like if you were like knocking on the bathroom door and you were like, "Who's in there?" And like he's it, like, is, it I. is I. It is I, ha, Severus ha. Snape. Harry remembers what an uggo Snape is. He like remarks on his like hair, which Harry doesn't like how Snape's hair looks. <laughs> McGonagall and Snape have an epic duel Which involves a burning ring of fire
2: Snape fell down, into down, the down. burning ring of fire <laughs> Used to be a snake But now it's a ring of fire And it burns, burns, burns Then becomes daggers Then, then becomes, becomes daggers. daggers That was pretty
0: good That was completely spontaneous
2: That's what happens,
0: spontaneous. right? Yeah, it's something like that they're dueling. Flitwick shows up to give some support to McGonagall. He just like busts out of nowhere. He's like, You'll do no more murder at Hogwarts, Snape. Because we have a strict one, one murder, murder policy per teacher. At Hogwarts. Each <laughs>
2: teacher gets only one murder.
0: <laughs> you, you've hit your. <laughs>
2: you've actually hit your maximum. You've totally of hit murders. your allotment,
0: yeah. We have a strict. No, you're just
2: remaking the joke.
0: We have a two strikes you're out policy with murders. But one strike you're in. One strike, it's like, okay, uh, this is definitely going. Reign
2: it in, friend. This is
0: going in your performance review.
2: (laughs) Satisfactory. Too many murders. Growth areas. Murder. So
0: Snape fucking bails. He, like, runs for it, jumps out the window, joins the Great Resignation. (laughs) Um, Harry's like, oh, Where'd he go? Uh, turns out he's literally flying away, which is a trick he learned from Lord Voldemort. So, that's cool. Damn. Uh, it's
2: annoying that they can't all fly. Like, what the fuck's teach the use?
0: An, an old... old bat, new tricks. Jeez it boys. turns out the teachers are all assembled. Shit's going down. There's like an electric atmosphere, and a tiny British urchin runs out and says, "General Lamarck is dead."
2: Alex. I don't get that joke.
0: That is a Les Mis joke. That's I know. what precipitates the revolution in Les Misérables. Uh, true heads know. <laughs> oh God! Someone out there listening to this podcast—if I've judged our listenership correctly—will appreciate that joke. I 100% uh, believe so, you. Uh, so, <laughs> have Humple I Pump, never
2: seen Les Misérables?
0: Have you not? It's not on Broadway anymore, so.
2: I've read it.
0: Wow, you're probably one of the few people who have read Les Miserables, but haven't actually seen the musical, I guess. <laughs> Not
2: to brag, <laughs> but I have read it, I have read it including the scenes is in the sewer.
0: Yeah, Les Miserables is actually not unlike, the book Les Miserables is actually not unlike a Quibbler podcast uh, to compare us to Victor Hugo because, you know, you're like reading the plot. But
2: only in terms of the digressions into shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're reading the plot and you're like, oh man, Marius and Cosette like, will they, won't they? And then Victor Hugo's like, let me tell you about the history of the Parisian sewer system for a hundred pages. It
2: reminds me of Moby Dick in that way. Where there's a plot, but there's also a whole chapter about what things are
0: white. <laughs> That's the original stuff white people like. No, it's white stuff. White stuff. stuff people like. Captain Ahab likes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Number one, this whale.
0: Um, man, the 19th century—they just don't—they don't make them like they used to. Uh, I guess. So, man, I listened to a lot of Les Mis before this podcast because it's got a very, it's got a Les Mis vibe, this chapter.
2: Sometimes we go to this cabin of our friends um, in the mountains, and one of the things that we pretty regularly have done there over the years is that Alex sings stars to us from like the top of this like spiral staircase. This is a weird thing to be telling all of you, but- it's actually very good when you do sing stars. I don't know stars. if this
0: tracks for What do people. you mean? Like, no, it definitely tracks. That's the wrong, like, I, is that an interesting piece of information? I don't know. It's one of the, it's like, you have to be there. I don't know how it became a thing, but all of a sudden it became a thing. I'm not going to sing stars on this podcast. I was, Can like.
2: Can you please?
0: Well, I was workshopping, like, an ABC cafe And... Like, that song from Les Mis, like, with Harry Potter lyrics, and once again, I didn't get very far because we're not doing a very good job podcasting, so, like... At Hufflepuff, the sections are prepared. At Ravenclaw, the straining at the leash. Students house, everyone there's a river on the run, like the flowing of a tide. Hogwarts coming to our side. That's a good start. Not bad, not bad. That's a deep, that's a deep cut. I think from Blame Mis. It's not one of the like ABC Cafés. You know it's the reason I the, know ABC Cafe? Not one of the classics. It's not because one of it's the bangers.
2: fucking song that starts singing whenever <laughs> we plug your phone into the bluetooth and it's just the number it's like the first like with a. letter yeah. it starts with a b i
0: hate it so I hate this it. is the abc cafe moment the revolution is starting mcgonagall essentially turns into general mcgonagall she addresses the teacher she says he who must not be named is coming Harry Potter has a job to do in the castle on Dumbledore's order. We need to buy him enough time so he can do what he needs to do. She says, we got to establish basic protection, man the defenses, get the young students out. But she says, if anyone is of age, wants to fight, um, they should have a chance. Everybody meet up in the grade hall to battle plan. So everybody's pretty much on board. So Professor Sprout... Heads off to rally the pub. She's like, We're gonna get Huffle rough with the Death Eaters. Um,
2: I even I hated that. <laughs> I love you, and even I really hated that.
0: She starts brainstorming like what kind of deadly plants she could recruit, like <laughs> Devil Snare, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. All your fave deadly plants. Uh, this would be a good. Opportunity since we're on musicals to insert something from Little Shop of Horrors. But I've actually never seen Little Shop of Horrors. What's
2: Professor Sproud's first name? Pomona? Feed me Pomona.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um,
2: Suddenly Flitwick is standing beside me. He don't give me orders. He just gives me charm. Suddenly, Flitwick. Anyway. Is here to provide me with Wingardium Leviosa. Flitwick's my man.
0: Was her man, I think, at one point. I think that's true. Canonically? Maybe. Maybe not canonically. Well, depends on how you.
2: I think they were lovers once. I think
0: I think this is all printed on like wizardingworld.gov.us <laughs> or whatever the fucking website is. I think it's is.
2: .gov.uk, my dear.
0: <laughs> oh, she's also going to go get tentaculas and snargiluf pods, which is not something I remember, but I trust that it's a thing that has existed in these books. She says, I'd like to see the Death Eaters fighting those. Flitwick starts casting protective spells on the grounds, recruiting the power of the wind, it seems like, to defend Hogwarts, so always great to have the wind at your back and on your side. So while Flitwick is casting charms, Harry asks him about the diadem. Flitwick's like, uh, a little extra wisdom never goes amiss, Potter, but I hardly think it would be much use in this situation, which, I don't know, man, you're planning, like, a battle, like, wouldn't I get Flitwick's like,
2: this seems a little, like, out of... Scope.
0: Wit, maybe not. Like, you're not having a battle of wits with the Death Eaters, but like, wisdom, yeah. It anyway, could help. We're um, at 40 minutes. We are. <laughs> oh, I think this podcast is bad now. Yep. Sorry. Sorry, folks. Um, Slughorn is reluctant. He asked Minerva. Oh, he uses Minerva's first name. They've all been talking to each other. So, brain, which we've discussed. Very scary. He's like, I don't know if this is such a What's good idea. What's
2: first name? Fred. Philius.
0: Billius, It's that Fred. I don't know. Phileas Flitwick. That's cute. Um, Slughorn is reluctant, as you might expect, for a Slytherin. McGonagall just, like, fucking goes off on Slughorn. She's like, you know what? It's time for Slytherin to, like, put up or shut up. To show where its loyalties lay. She's like, you know what? Fuck Slytherin. We've all been thinking it for years. Fuck Slytherin. Fuck your stupid snakes. Fuck your dumbass dungeon. Fuck your dumbass, like preppy Quidditch team, like fuck everything about you. So yeah, they it's have. time for They Slytherin have to very show where it's like
2: Brett Easton Ellis aesthetic vibes. <laughs> it's just like preppy sociopath vibes. Yeah.
0: So she's like, go get your students and. Also, if you try to fuck with us, like, we duel to kill, motherfucker. So that's a thing she says.
2: She does, which is very cool. She's like,
0: whoa, what the fuck?
2: It's very um, cool. We said fuck a lot of times in that sentence. So uh, good thing we warned you. Then what?
0: At some point, Filch shows up.
2: Oh, yeah, this is hilarious. Yeah. Filch and is she's like, like, there's sh- students
0: out of bed. There's students out of bed. McGonagall's like, what the fuck, Filch? Like, she goes off on Filch, too, a little bit. So McGonagall's just like... Saying Literally, all the
2: things we've yeah. been saying for years. No
0: fucks left to give. McGonagall's just dropping mics all over Hogwarts. Picking them back up again. Dropping them again. Uh She says, go find Peeves. Who, of course, has been like, probably living his entire afterlife for this moment. Oh, yeah. Uh
2: And who is not in the movies. Not
0: mentioned? Mrs. Norris. What does she do during the Battle of Hogwarts? This will be the source... She dies. No, she does not die in Hogwarts. Uh
2: She dies.
0: Thank you for ruining these books for me. Um, McGonagall casts maybe the most awesome spell in all of Harry Potter: Pier Totem Locomotor. Suddenly, all the suits of armor starts coming to life. Hogwarts is threatened. McGonagall says, It's time to do your duty to the school. Uh, So, Hogwarts has battle droids. Who knew? That's amazing. I guess that's why they were keeping all that armor around. It wasn't just for atmospherics. It was like, maybe someday Hogwarts will be attacked and we'll have to fight a full-scale battle. The founders of Hogwarts really thought of everything.
2: Mostly they were like, wouldn't this be cool? (laughs) That's what I believe. It was
0: more like, here's a dope, like, Easter egg. Yeah, it's basically an Easter egg. It's like
2: in the video game. It's like, it turns out the fucking statues come alive.
0: Which Hogwarts founder thought of this? Gryffindor. It seems like a Gryffindor Slytherin like, joint. Like one of the few things they could like They agree agreed on they're like, is like this is cool. They're like brainstorming and they both say it simultaneously. they're like, what else should we include in the castle? And they both say it simultaneously. All the armor should come to life and fight. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is why we started a school together, man. We should talk more often, Salazar. Uh, it's fun when we do this.
2: I mean, in my vision of this scene, they're both on coke. <laughs> but that might just be because be because I said the words Bret East and Alice.
0: So, you know, there's activity everywhere, uh, everyone's heading toward the, at some point, probably literal barricades. So the castle is just abuzz with activity. Harry overhears people saying, it's Potter! It was Harry Potter! All your faves are assembling in the Room of Requirement. There's Kingsley, there's Lupin, the Weasleys are there. Even the Gryffindor Quidditch veterans, including Oliver Wood, they've all come back-
2: To get murdered.
0: Yeah. Most of them died. It turns out Fred and George got messages to the rest of Dumbledore's army, who then alerted the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, Ginny and Mrs. Weasley argue about whether she's allowed to go to war. Mrs. Weasley says she's only 16. So you are sixteen going on seventeen.
2: You cannot go to war.
0: Death eaters you meet might shoot at your feet. And nope, that doesn't work.
2: Guys, Rogers and Hammerson, we are not.
0: No. Um totally unprepared are you to face a world of spells. Yeah, spells.
2: No, take that. That doesn't
0: work. Um At some point, Percy Weasley stumbles out of the Hog's Head and asks if he's late. Fleur tries to break the tension by asking Lupin about his son Teddy. Percy admits to being a terrible fool and a ministry-loving prat, and basically all is forgiven. The Weasleys reconcile. Percy explains it took him a while to get clear of the ministry because they've been arresting traitors, etc., etc. So, Percy's back. Uh, I guess we missed that guy. Uh, happy for Mrs. Weasley, though. Lupin convinces Molly to let Ginny at least stay in the castle, but away from the fighting, because, uh, frankly, it's just going to be better for the plot of the story of the <laughs> books. Uh, everybody heads down to the Great Hall. Harry starts looking for Ron and Hermione and learns that they went into a bathroom for some reason. Um, eyebrows, Again, eyebrows. this
2: is so... It's like you know which. there's one important bathroom, Harry.
0: <laughs> Harry Potter, like us, has not paid much attention to <laughs> Harry Potter. Um... But before he can find out why they went looking for a bathroom, his scar sears again, and he's looking through the wrought iron gates as Lovo Nagini is draped over his shoulder, and his heart is filled with murder. And he thinks to himself, it's time for a battle. The Battle of Hogwarts. And that's what happens in this week's chapter.
2: So I remembered how annoying these characters... Are.
0: They're caro <laughs> if you will.
2: Which I won't. Um, no, I started this. I just, in the same way the last episode we talked about all of the sort of fun fave, kind of like moments and complications for from all of the various books are coming back here for like a curtain call. So are all of her most irritating quirks. Um and the ugly villain thing, I'm just it's so boring. I don't understand why these people have to be so ugly.
1: The few ravenclaws who had remained behind sprinted for the stairs as Amicus burst over the threshold, brandishing his wand. Hunched like his sister, he had a pallid, doughy face and tiny eyes, which fell at once on Electo, sprawled motionless on the floor. He let out a yell of fury and fear. What have they done? The little whelps, he screamed. I'll cruciate the lot of them till they tell me who did it. And what's the Dark Lord going to say? He shrieked, standing over his sister and smacking himself on the forehead with his fist. We haven't got him, and they've gone and killed her. She's only stunned, said Professor McGonagall impatiently, who had stooped down to examine Electo. She'll be perfectly all right. No, she bludgering well won't, bellowed Amicus. Not after the Dark Lord gets hold of her. She's gone and sent for him. I felt me Mark burn and he thinks we've got Potter.
2: And so dumb. (laughs) Like these are just not, there are a fair number of nuanced and finely drawn and, you know, like morally complicated characters in Harry Potter, but the Death Eaters are just a fucking clown car of, I mean, they're just, these are outrageous characters. Just dumb
0: uggos. They don't
2: work at all to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, okay. We've discussed this in recent episodes, I think. Although, what counts as recent anymore? Yeah, no,
2: time stopped. Yeah. So I I don't know where we live, (laughs) but it's not inside of time. Okay, given our
0: experience over the last, like, five years, I can sort of forgive, I think I've come to terms with the idea of the shambolic authoritarian slash fascist who are incredibly dangerous in spite of and maybe because of the fact that they're so shambolic so you
2: said shambolic twice
0: yeah which is a very shambolic thing to do um
2: what does it mean what's a synonym
0: a synonym for shambolic yeah um
2: Don't use the word in the definition of the word.
0: (laughs) Webster's Dictionary defines shambolic as... Yeah, um, but
2: we're saying, like, messy, right? Yeah, messy. Like, messy, all over the place, unfocused, unskilled, like, like, just a a shambles. Yeah,
0: a shambles and As Paul Hollywood would say, it's a shambles. It's a a shambles, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But even, yeah, even accepting all of that, um, I don't really understand... I've never gotten... A clear idea of who the Death Eaters are? Yeah, like, it's Like, what's just, their coalition?
2: It's really annoying, and, you know, I think this also applies, and we can talk about this now, I guess, to the Slytherins, where their sort of just, like, block, just, like, badness feels completely ideologically incoherent among other things. Like, yeah, what is the coalition here?
0: Yeah, are they... So we're kind of meant to understand that the Caros are, I suppose, uneducated, although where would they have gone besides Hogwarts? Yeah,
2: everybody's the exact same amount educated in this world. So that's another thing. They have these really weird sort of, like, dialect distinctions. Like, she writes the Death Eaters in almost, like, a weird kind of cockney, and... As sort of having a totally different vocabulary and it's like they literally are all the exact same amount educated. There is one way of being educated in this world. Right. So these distinctions make – I mean sure people have different accents but the idea that they have – drastically less just like working knowledge doesn't make any sense yeah they all went to hogwarts they all (laughs) had the same they took the same classes like there is no sort of like ivy league in this world i don't find it very believable that there would be these huge striations
0: i just well, we know there are class differences in the Wizarding World because the Weasleys are poor, but they don't have these comical working class accents. Yeah, no. I guess maybe they're, like, some kind of landed... They're, like, fallen for, gentry. Like, gentry. uh some like, a la Jane Austen. Yeah. But, so, I guess all the death eater muscle are these dumb uneducated wizard racists and then there's this like core of like Malt really affluent kind of very
2: very like hyper wealthy highly educated but it, what i don't understand is none of this bears out in what we know to be true of the social structures of the world so she's trafficking in these really broad stereotypes without having any like Realistic underpinning for why these people would have drastically different, like, education levels. And I guess it's
0: possible that a Slytherin or a Death Eater could, like, come from a lower class muggle family and not know it. Like, a lower income muggle family. But that doesn't make sense because they're all supposed to be pure bloods, right?
2: Yeah. And the other thing I don't understand about the Keros is, like, what was their job before this? <laughs> like what were any of these goons? Like it is one of those things where you sort of there's she does so much intricate, painstaking world building. And then you meet oh, these like
0: That's such a good question. You meet
2: these just totally generic like goon squads. And you're like, "What were you doing?" Literally 18 months ago. I like, mean, where were these this people? This harkens
0: back to one of the original quibbles, which is that there are no jobs in the Wizarding world. So I assume they were just working at Cash Register on Nocturne Alley, or I don't know. They were.
2: But also, they seem to be like unemployed. a brother sister act.
0: Like, <laughs> where they just,
2: like, I just, unless, basically, like, unless you're Argus Filch, like, I don't understand. Where all of these people were before they were hench people. And J.K. Just... Rowling otherwise offers us like kind of rich backstories. And so I'm, I do find the total lack of storytelling about the quote unquote bad guys in this book, the both the Slytherins and the adult Death Eaters, like hugely disappointing because it makes them completely incoherent. Right. We don't know. I mean, it goes back to the complaint of like, I just don't buy that every single Slytherin child has any reason to also be a Death Eater. Well, it, that doesn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah. It also makes it makes the villains a little less scary. She's yeah. only she's basically only fleshed out Voldemort and to some extent
2: The Malfoys.
0: The Malfoys. And like, which, Bellatrix like, kind of. a little. But the rest of them are just these kind of stormtroopers with bad aim and that's like a lot but less about- scary than the idea of like tom riddle's kind of scary because like oh he's a kid he went to hogwarts he was head boy he had a lot in common with uh harry potter like yeah. evil could come from he, anywhere like the, re- the Carol's just he to and be- dumbledore
2: have this interesting sort of like interlocking background yeah the no girls are
0: just like like kind of just dropped into hogwarts yeah in this really shoehorned and way in a
2: ge- as a general rule jk rowling doesn't I mean, she doesn't write these, like, kind of, like, non-playable characters except in... And and so it does... I think it sort of makes the, like, morality of these stories, which is what she hangs a a lot of hats on, kind of shoddy. Because we have a pretty intricate and in-depth understanding of what she means by good. And then what she means by evil is, like, fucking Jasper and Horace. (laughs) Like, I, I mean, even Cruella, like had a fashion sense. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I just find the Karos... They don't make any... And, and, you know, then we get to this place where... What's the what's the big fat guy's name? Big fat bad guy. or
0: Slughorn. Yeah.
2: Then we get to this place where Slughorn shows up and is like, oh, I don't know if the, like, evil children in my charge will, like, want to, like, battle, like, Satan or not. And it's just like, again, like, who are these people
1: they had just reached the door when slughorn rumbled into speech my word he puffed pale and sweaty his walrus mustache a quiver what's her to do i'm not at all sure whether this is wise minerva he is bound to find a way in you know and anyone who has tried to delay him will be in most grievous peril I shall expect you and the Slytherins in the Great Hall in twenty minutes also, said Professor McGonagall. If you wish to leave with your students, we shall not stop you. But if any of you attempt to sabotage our resistance or take up arms against us within this castle, then, Horace, we duel to kill. Minerva, he said aghast. The time has come for Slytherin House to decide upon its loyalties interrupted Professor McGonagall. Go and wake your students, Horace.
2: Slytherin makes absolutely no sense. And I think our take in, I mean, it's interesting to see our own thinking kind of evolve because like our take in early episodes of this podcast was just like, put all the Slytherins like in the lake, (laughs) which like a a little bit funny, but now I'm like, no, the problem here is that the Slytherins, there's just, they're so unrealistic.
0: Yeah, I mean, you don't get 100% bad seats. participation on anything. No, you know? no, I mean,
2: no group of people is in this kind of ideological lockstep.
0: Yeah, I, I, even, yeah, we don't have to like get some into, like- Some
2: Slytherins would think it was badass to like be like on the ground for this thing, for like personal gain and glory. Yeah. They're just like some Slytherins, even if it was for like uncool guy reasons, would fight.
0: I could see a world where, like, 90% of the Slytherins don't participate, but you would have, like, one or two.
2: I mean, unless we are really to believe that there's just a school that's three quarters great and one quarter evil, and then it's like, that doesn't make sense as an institution. Why are you educating the evil ones? Like, why are they here? It's like, it's just, it's total nonsense that they go to this school. So it's, like, one or the other. So, yeah, no, the Slytherins, like, it completely falls apart.
0: I mean, everyone deserves an education, but...
2: Well, yeah, but maybe th- these particular children don't need to be, like, educated in community with, like, children that they, like, actively want to kill. <laughs> Like, and that's what we're given to understand here. I mean... Like, you really think that all these kids want their classmates to die? If all their
0: parents are on the side, so- are Death Eaters, then you don't be fighting then, against do we, your parents. But even then, is there parents? this
2: huge population of... Because the other thing we're supposed to understand is that Death Eaters were completely underground. Right. So who the fuck are Slytherins in the years between Voldemort eras? Like, yeah. there aren't Death Eaters. Yeah. So who? what is the ideology uniting these kids when, like outright death eaterness is like socially unacceptable so sure yes like kids believe what their parents believe kids parrot the sort of nasty things they hear their parents say at home I don't really believe children can be just inherently evil but so where this falls apart for me is just what are these kids hearing at home that's making them little proto death eaters I, I just I'm really confused about what the sort of political faction that has now resurrected into Death Eaters was in the years of Harry Potter's like earlier childhood.
0: For obvious reasons, I don't find it super implausible that the population of wizard that among the population of wizards, there's like a 25 or 30% of them that are just hardcore dedicated reactionaries and were are maybe waiting for permission to be hardcore dedicated reactionaries. But this does make me wonder how popular this Voldemort puppet government is, like, because I, I I just who's this working for? I guess somebody.
2: Yeah, no, it's hard for me to understand what anyone other than like Voldemort himself and maybe three extremely inner circle hench people are gaining. Except, I mean, they are gaining the sort of, like, execution of, or they're gaining the sort of enactment of their really specific prejudices and hatreds. Right, like, yeah. they're getting to watch other people suffer.
0: They're owning the mud But mudbloods. ultimately,
2: like, that—that that is just rarely enough to, like, I mean, and to be fair, like, they fall, like, in the next chapter. You know what? I'm going to talk myself out of this. They're achieving supremacy.
0: Right, and, yeah. and Shared... Shared kind of social dominance is, like, enough to link people together.
2: Right. I just, and I completely buy that as a Death Eater ideology, but it just continues to boggle the mind that there is just a Death Eater house of the school. (laughs) I I don't find that, I don't find this plausible. I also don't actually, one of the things I would, one of the reasons this is implausible to me Because I actually don't think, like, personality type and politics, like, map this closely. I think this is just a really overly simplistic way of thinking about what kinds of people think various things. Some of the
0: nicest people you ever meet have, like, well, at least nice to you, Yeah, have, like, heinous politics. Well,
2: nice in the very sort of, like, interpersonally, like, adept and, like you know talk shit behind your back but also lots and lots and lots of deeply unpleasant people I think more importantly on the other side of things lots of interpersonally unpleasant people think and do like really admirable things writ large like there are lots of people who are like kind of hard to be around who I think are like Important political like Thinkers and leaders So I just the idea that like if you're a dick You're also A fascist and if you're not a dick You're (laughs) definitely not a fascist
0: She gets that for the people She gets that complexity for the people in this Story that she sympathizes with Right but But she doesn't
2: give any complexity To the people who she like Just like the lack of Any kind of like depth or rigor Applied to the This whole swath of just, like, bad eggs.
0: I guess one defense we give is we're sort of seeing this through Harry's eyes, although it's not in... No,
2: there's a little more omniscience than that. Yeah,
0: so, I don't know. Like, we know that Snape is a fully realized character with, like, complex motivations, and she still talks about his greasy hair a lot.
2: Yeah, also, just her... I mean, just to come back to the... Like, I guess there was an original point somewhere in here, but... (laughs) the um the the one to one equating of like bad skin with like bad thoughts is just like extraordinarily frustrating for me and just honestly something that i think a young adult writer a, like a middle grade young adult writer right now like wouldn't get away with like i actually think people and you know there's there's problems with the way that people get sort of shouted down online for like relatively minor flaws in their work but this is one where I think people would be like you don't get to just make all the fat people bad that's nonsense (laughs) that's like just bad writing so it's hard too because a lot of the time I do think about JK Rowling as a pretty skilled writer and then you come across shit like this and you're like god this is it is lowest common denominator laziness like it's just so pathetically lazy to be like and also he looks gross
0: i believe they're described as pig-like yeah one of them is that's
2: so like i ugh.
0: she <gasps> fucking hates pigs
2: yeah also like pigs are nice so if the movie oh my god, taught
0: us anything i'm
2: i'm reading *Brideshead revisited right now which is great um i think it makes a different point than evelyn Waugh thinks it makes one of the members of like the main family has a pet pig named Saint Francis Xavier, and I'm obsessed with him.
0: Man, we missed a huge opportunity in not naming the last episode. Hog's revisited. revisited. Yeah, so, no. Sorry big. about that, folks. You know, it's a hundred episodes. They're we don't hit them all out of the yeah, park. they're not all going to be winners. This one might not be a winner, but we're working our way back, back in. into it. What are all these teachers doing, meanwhile, under— Oh my like, gosh! what's it like to work at Hogwarts during I, In the Dark Times?
2: It's also, like, it's weird that they're just being normal. Like, there's this point where McGonagall is really startled to see Luna Lovegood— And you remember, like, Luna Lovegood started out the year at Hogwarts and then got kidnapped. And, like, McGonagall's pretty sure she got tortured and murdered. And she didn't, like, do anything about that.
0: I, I actually don't think this is that weird, given all our experience over the last, like, 18 months. People try to, like, carry on as best they can in, like, super abnormal situations. And you kind of get, like, accustomed a horror it's just sad to see like mcgonagall be one of those people who you think is gonna although i guess she does kind of like flip into like hardcore revolutionary mode yeah but only
2: after a literal child shows up mcgonagall like (laughs) i uh you know what no this is complicated for me because on the one hand what could they do but on the other hand did they do anything
0: i think Probably they were able to protect some students. You know, McGonagall clearly has some, like, clout. She knows where all the, like, trap doors are or whatever. She knows how the bureaucracy works. No, she, probably she doesn't. Did because
2: she doesn't know that Dumbledore's army
0: exists. Well, yeah, she does. It was painted on the walls. No, 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 but I mean, like... She wasn't, like, communicating like they all fucking or, like, show up and them. she's like, Oh, you
2: guys are still alive. And it's like... That's dark, my friend. I just, the fact that McGonagall pretty clearly thinks that Luna got
0: killed. disappeared, yeah. Like,
2: that she got disappeared, and she's like, oh, Luna, they didn't murder you. (laughs) It's like, it's weird that you didn't check.
0: Uh, I think I'm with McGonagall on this one. I think she was being strategic and kind of biding her time for the right moment.
2: For the moment when a child decides that it's war.
0: I mean, you know, if that's the signal you're waiting for, uh, why not? This whole chapter has a very Revolutions podcast uh, vibe. Um, Shout out to Mike Duncan, one of the original, like, podcast. The full uh,
2: OG indie podcaster. Indie
0: podcast, History Guy. If you're going to listen to... A white guy talking to a microphone about history. I would say he's kind of the height of uh, that genre.
2: Also, doesn't he still, like, do all his own, like, production? I'm
0: pretty sure he does. That's
2: wild. Nobody does that.
0: Mike Duncan, History of Rome, Revolutions. I'm sure at least some of you have listened to these. But I was thinking you could make, like, a whole parody Revolutions episode just, like, with content from this chapter. Because, like... The one thing you kind of learn, like Saying studying,
2: you could make a whole parody and then not doing it is like a little bit of a sad, like anti Chekhov's gun.
0: I mean, maybe I will.
2: <laughs> With what time? But yes, maybe you will. <laughs> okay. Anyway, go on. I'm sorry. Uh,
0: so you know, if you listen to revolutions podcasts or just like read about revolutions in general, like they kind of break out at seemingly random moments but not random at all because obviously um all this like all these like tectonic forces have been building up as like the kind of the kind of like plates of like politics and sociology or whatever metaphor you want to use are like rubbing together and then they like unpredictably explode uh and that's what this kind of feels like to me uh so i guess that answers my question from earlier in that this regime must be really unpopular if you're not part of the, like, 25% uh, Slytherin-aligned. uh, Like, it's literally, like, not a majoritarian government. Like, there was, like, very obviously a coup. So, uh, I think rolling, I guess this is just a long way of getting at, this feels random, but also organic to me that this whole revolution would start just because Harry kind of loses his temper and uses the Cruciatus curse on one of the Caras. I've forgotten which one. The uh, girl. No, the guy. The
2: guy. Yeah. Wow. I read this chapter like yesterday. <laughs> i they. their names are confusing. Okay. Anyway.
0: And then events kind of spiral out of control
1: from there. That was Potter. Harry Potter? It was him, I swear. I just saw him. But Harry did not look back, and at last they reached the entrance to the room of requirement. Harry leaned against the enchanted wall, which opened to admit them, and he and Luna sped back down the steep staircase. What? As the room came into view, Harry slipped down a few stairs in shock. It was packed, far more crowded than when he had last been in there. Kingsley and Lupin were looking up at him, as were Oliver Wood, Katie Bell, Angelina Johnson, and Alicia Spinett, Bill and Fleur, and Mr. and Mrs. Weasley. Harry, what's happening? said Lupin, meeting him at the foot of the stairs. Voldemort's on his way. They're barricading the school. Snape's run for it. What are you doing here? How did you know? We sent messages to the rest of Dumbledore's army, Fred explained. You couldn't expect everyone to miss the fountain, Harry. And the DA let the Order of the Phoenix know, and it all kind of snowballed.
0: Harry kind of loses the thread of events here. None of this is actually playing out the way he wanted it to, or even planned. But that's often the case for actual revolutionaries as well. Uh, Like, I'm learning that the Bolsheviks were caught, like, completely off guard when the February Revolution broke out in Russia. Like, Lenin was like, what the fuck? I wasn't expecting this for, like, ten years. And they had to, like, completely scramble all their plans to, like, figure out, like, how to get ahead of events. And that's what's happening here with, uh... Not that the Russian Revolution and, uh... The Battle of Hogwarts have anything in common, but maybe this small thing.
2: Well, it actually... Begs an interesting question for me because I don't think Harry Potter is a revolutionary. Mm. Is like maybe my main point of pushback. I think you're right that the sort of the like powder keg metaphor is kind of apt because it's like it's there, it's there, it's there, it's there, it's there. There's a spark, but you don't really know what it's going to be. Yeah. But it's interesting that you went straight. I mean, and I know you went straight to revolutions because like that, like Mike Duncan's kind of like in your brain lately but i think one of the maybe core contemporary frustrations with the like kind of good and evil fight in this book is that the outcomes are deeply unrevolutionary yeah like the outcomes are a really profound return to like an unjust but cozy status quo yeah, like this more, is not a revolution
0: that's where, yeah you you beat me <laughs> like totally these right.
2: are these are counter-revolutionary like thinkers and like harry potter is a cop and i used to think that that didn't work but no like to his bones like what he wants is things to be like how they used to be.
0: Right. The Battle of Cogwarts is more... It's less a revolution and it's more of a counter-coup.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's actually like...
0: Or this is really a wizarding civil war. It's more of a, of a civil re, yeah, war. than a revolution. Because what Voldemort did isn't a revolution either. It's like a reactionary coup.
2: Yeah. So. But so I think it's interesting because I i don't think of these... I, I don't think of... I mean, I, this is like a stupid thing to say, maybe. But I think it's like... Worth like staking this particular claim. Like, these are not, this is not a revolutionary text by any stretch of the imagination. Like, we are not watching people like create a brave new world before them. But they are really deliberately, carefully returning to an older order where they got to be slightly more benevolently in charge.
0: Yeah, so I wasn't making a very deep uh, historical or political point there. Um, but I do think if these books were a little more politically realistic, which is maybe a lot to be expecting uh, of these books, but I don't know,
2: they're not, pretty long and grand. Yeah, we could um, ask them to be like a little bit more sophisticated.
0: You probably would see more actual revolutionary activity of people trying to impose a different vision of society amid all of this all of this chaos. Like, the, like the DA s- would
2: have, like, a left flank.
0: Right. Like, the American Civil War, it didn't start out as being particularly radical, but as it progressed, the war aims of the Union, like, became more radical. Well, it's
2: actually really interesting to me that in this entire, and maybe because it's mostly children, but, like, I mean even that doesn't make sense. One of the things we know to be true like throughout history is like it's weird that we have all these extremely basic reactionary young people. Like that's the weirdest thing here is the Slytherins are reactionaries but we don't have any we don't have any radical youths here.
0: Yeah, the they closest? all
2: want to be in like heterosexual monogamous marriages with like good middle class jobs like that's not what kids like that's not what kids want for themselves like kids want better shit than that
0: the closest we get is Hermione in book four but then she sort of gets over it because the guy she likes thinks it's dumb
2: also like honestly Luna is maybe the most realistic sort of like young person in that she is really into like astrology and aesthetics her family i would say like and and they're constantly poked fun at because they have like some beliefs that are not extremely mainstream like middle class sort of wizarding status quo but it's weird that you have all these kids that are like my goal is to suck <laughs> but not be actively evil <laughs> Like, the future these children all, like, want realized is just, like, being, like, their parents. That's just not true.
0: Man, yeah. That's not what kids want. No.
2: No. That's what parents want for kids. Nobody
0: at Hogwarts is punk rock or whatever.
2: Well, also, nobody at Hogwarts is, like, pushing the line way out on, like, radical politics.
0: Even Fred and George want to be entrepreneurs, our most chaotic two characters their, basically want to be
2: Their chaos is totally harnessed by, like, capital. Yeah. <laughs> we even get, you know, the wizarding world, what J.K. Rowling, I think, sees as the equivalent of sort of, like, racism and, like, injustice and inequity when you think about, like, the sort of pure blood. But you don't have any, like, muggle-borns asking for Anything more extreme than, like, not to be actively called a slur. Right. Like, there's no wizarding sort of, like, consciousness-raising movement. And again, that's just, like, doesn't feel like what actual children would actually be behaving like.
0: Right. Yeah. They'd be doing things we couldn't even, like, really predict because now, unfortunately, we're revolution— old. Like,
2: student revolutions actually do tend to be, like, genuinely revolutionary— not always that's true but i mean i just the more i think about it the more i think the battle of hogwarts it's weird that you have these kids fighting desperately and like in many 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 cases dying to preserve like a neoliberal wizarding status quo (laughs) i just don't think that's what kids are like i don't know maybe i'm wrong (laughs) i don't think that's what i was into as a I'm just like I'm a worse thinker now than I was when I was 17. Absolutely.
0: Where's our wizarding marks? Doesn't exist. Well,
2: more importantly, like where's our wizarding like you know lunch counter sit-ins? Like we don't have kids doing anything like. Oh yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah.
2: You know, all they're trying to preserve is like go like just go back to when there was no Voldemort, but everything else was exactly the same, including the slaves. <laughs> like what?
0: Yeah, nobody, nobody's ever talking about house elves. Nobody's like
2: ever at all. talking about house elves. Uh,
0: which I don't even think they fix that. Really, no. I just think things get the epilogue is actually
2: just, and then heterosexuality wins the day. Like that's all that happens here. It's like a bunch of young straight procreative marriages. And
0: heterosexuality was never really under threat in these books. Definitely not from the Death Eaters. You know, uh, because. Yeah. Yeah, even... Bellatrix. Even 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 Voldemort. Even Voldemort is having, like, like, heterosexual sex.
2: And Bellatrix would be so fun queer, but actually that would do sort of of the, like, Disney villain, like, queering the bad guy thing. But I don't know. She's got a vibe. (laughs) So the final thing to talk about for this chapter, which, once again, this episode is probably going to be four times the length of listening to the chapter. So, lucky you guys. Also, it's incoherent. But uh, we're back. We get this Weasley reconciliation. You know, Percy comes back into the fold. And I actually, what I love about this, love this decision because this is just a vicious authorial choice. You think it's like, oh, how, like, sort of how fluffy you get this family reunification. But Like, the Weasleys get half a chapter to be a family. She pulls the rug out from under the Weasley reunification storyline in such a maximally horrifying, painful, evil way that making the decision to bring Percy back right before you kill off one of the fucking twins... I mean, it's... It's, like, delicious. It's so
0: mean. It's cold, but I respect it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I also... uh also we get reminded about um Lupin's kid, Teddy, in the yeah. same moment. So she's setting up she's setting up the stakes of the battle. Oh, she's there. making these
2: losses hurt so much more. Yeah, she's reminding us of everything these characters have to lose right before they lose it. It's mean, but I, I love it. <laughs> At the same time, I mean, you know what? Honestly, this is actually like tracks pretty well with what we know about J.K. Rowling the thinker. Like she's pretty garbage on just like writing interestingly about actual sort of like political and like ideological wins. And she's excellent interpersonally and really good on grief.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: This this bringing Percy back in, having them all hug, letting Mrs. Weasley feel like 20 minutes of that sort of like warmth and joy of having all of her children like back in her life. I mean, imagine what that feels like for Molly Weasley to get Percy back and then like lose Fred.
0: I mean, she can plot. It's Fred, right? Yeah, it's Fred. Okay. Right? Oh god, we definitely have a Harry Potter podcast. Um I don't think I It's one of I those never guys. Never
2: remember. I never I don't think it's I think it's Fred. Because George loses his ear, yeah. right? Yes. By the way, our dog isn't named after George Weasley. He's named after George Eliot because we're erudite.
0: Also, this is the last fun chapter that we have to read.
2: Oh, yeah. It's going to be a slog until the epilogue. And then it's going to be so fun again. And then it's
0: just going to be a slam dunk contest.
2: I am excited. The one thing that listeners should, I think, look forward to is... I feel like we've been hinting at the, like, marathon discussion of Snape and Snape's, like, meaning in this series since actual episode one.
0: Everything's been building to
2: this. So it's going to be really – and I think both of our opinions have changed in the last five years. Five
0: it, years. It will have been, because our SoundCloud bill is coming up soon, I saw on my calendar. It's, and it's annual. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it will have been five years uh, in October. So, so in five that. years,
2: I actually think how I feel about Snape and that arc has changed. But I think that's one thing to look forward to, is talking, <sighs> finally talking about that
0: character. And I'm going to have to actually think and prepare for that episode <laughs> so that it yeah. lives up. Oh, that's a lot. Um, Sorry,
2: I just, like, made you freaked out. Who's your unsung hero?
0: My unsung heroes, I've got two this week, are Professor Sprout and Professor Flitwick. I believe we're meant to understand uh, had a thing in the past, and...
2: That feels sort of like a Tonks and Lupin situation.
0: Yeah, I agree. But now they're just uh, battle besties. uh, The best of, yeah... You know, I love this moment of their like thinking up all the
2: the cool shit to do that's yeah, that, that they've never
0: been able to do before. No. Um because they're not death eaters and you know, you don't just get to go torture kids or whatever. Uh Yeah, it's a they, shame. <laughs> it's a shame.
2: Yeah. Uh, for the third time running, I think setting a consecutive record in the Quibbler podcast, my unsung hero is our fourth, who pulls off like oh fuck. I, why can't I remember that fucking movie that Harry Styles is in? Dunkirk. Who pulls off sort of like a Dunkirk-style like exit from the Great Hall of like, ext- like small groups of students smuggled out to avoid the Battle of Hogwarts. He's a war hero, and I'm sad that we didn't name an episode Hogshead Revisited. But he's my unsung hero, Aberforth Dumbledore.
0: Sorry, Percy. You're not the unsung hero now. And I don't know if he's ever been. You know what? No, he was the unsung hero, I think, when he was patrolling the halls for Sirius Black. That was pretty cool. That was when he proved he was a Gryffindor. But, Percy, you don't get unsung hero status just for showing up.
2: No, you don't. Do you
0: think his... I forgot to bring this up. Do you think he means it? Is this, like, genuine?
2: Oh, absolutely. I do believe
0: this. This is like the actual Gryffindor side of him coming yeah. through because I was like
2: I don't think sh- I don't actually think Percy is like a shitty person. I just think he got taken in by like being head boy but of the government.
0: I was <laughs> I was wondering is he kind of bailing out of the ministry because his like opportunities for advancement under Voldemort have kind of been curtailed because he's associated with this blood trader family, and he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna. My job opportunities are gonna improve. If, yeah, but uh, listen,
2: he shows up for the war. Like he could show up after. Right. Like yeah. he comes to fight. Okay. He puts. I mean, he's putting a lot on the line here. I think.
0: Man, okay, maybe he gets like half an unsung hero credit then. Mm. Yeah. Whatever happened okay. with him and Penelope Clearwater?
2: I don't think that that lasted past Hogwarts. Man. We lost her in the shuffle. I don't know where Penelope went. We lost went. her in the
0: divorce or, yeah. you know, when friends break up, she went her own way. She did. And we just kept, we just got to keep fucking Percy.
2: She has, like, a dominatrix dungeon now.
0: I hope so. Me too.
2: That's my canon.
0: Next to uh, Madame Puttyfoots. <laughs> oh, Inside Madame Puttyfoots. Yeah,
2: in the basement. Um, I believe that.
0: This week's episode is brought to you by the Great Hall. I'm at the Dining Hall. I'm at the military headquarters. I'm at the combination dining hall military headquarters.
2: Wow. <laughs> you really worked on that.
0: When you're here, you're family.
2: <laughs> the audiobook clips that you heard are courtesy of Penguin Random House audio, they are from Jim Dale's performance of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. I would subscribe, you can rate and review, that's very kind. Some folks have left some really lovely five stars lately. But mostly subscribe because God knows when these come out now. Um, So it's just a good idea to have some kind of little like ding ding. Because somebody we're actually quite close to in our like regular life was like honestly I had stopped looking. So if you subscribe you don't have to just check your podcatcher. And otherwise always send us notes on social media at Podcast or quibblerpodcast at gmail.com. It's been lovely to be sustained um, in this work by all of you even as we have been pretty um, out of it and we're thrilled to be back. George is thrilled to be back. You heard him bork a lot probably unless Alex did more editing than I expect. (laughs) Anyway, next time... (laughs) Hold on to your butts, because we're reading The Battle of Hogwarts. We'll talk to you then.
0: Thanks, amigos.
1: Harry pulled the cloak off himself, raised his wand, and said, You shouldn't have done that. As Amicus spun around, Harry shouted, Crucio! Ow!
2: You ain't got no art, you ain't.
1: He's not dead, said McGonagall bitterly. Unlike Dumbledore, he was still carrying a wand, and he seems to have learned a few tricks from his master. With a tingle of horror, Harry saw in the distance a huge bat-like shape flying through the darkness toward the perimeter wall. General Lamarck is dead.